Hello, hello. This is Marina Morozova, Senior Relocation Consultant at Intimark Relocation. It is going to be a very interesting episode today. Those of you who moved to Moscow some time ago and already managed to adapt a little bit to the local dynamic life, probably more than once drew attention to the eclectic architecture of the city. What amazing story does this ancient city hide? Why does the Soviet avant-garde attract a huge number of tourists from all over the world today? Is it possible to jump back into the past and see with your own eyes the face of Moscow of 18th, 19th centuries? Let's talk about these topics and much more with our guest today, the creator of the project Moscow Through the Engineer's Eyes, Ayrat Bagaudinov. Nice to hear you, Ayrat. Hi, nice to hear you too. Hi, hi, how are you? Uh, I'm great, thanks. If a person can be great on Monday morning. <laughs> well, we'll try. <laughs> well, Ayrat, um, my first question would be, I guess that we can all agree that Moscow today is a huge metropolis that's on par with Tokyo, New York or Paris. But Moscow is also a city with a rich history. All this, of course, could not but affect the architecture of the city. Therefore, my first question will be this. The architectural appearance of Moscow, what is it like today? Uh, yeah, that's quite a complicated question, actually, because um, if you take, let's say, Paris, you see a lot of very similar, uh, nice buildings, uh, pretty much the same as in many historical cities like Florence, for example, or even Rome. But um, when you uh, take Moscow, you see that um, a very new and high um, business center or uh, apartment building can stand next to the historical building of the early 19th century. Then in the backyard, there can be chambers from the 17th century. So everything is very mixed. So when I'm thinking about the architectural face of Moscow, I think that eclectic is the best word. Uh, Moscow historically mm -hmm. ne never really cared about its appearance and every historical uh, era, every epoch, uh, and they were very different from Tsarist regime to socialist regime and then to this kind of what we call wild capitalist regime of 1990s. Mm -hmm. uh, each of them uh, put their own um, trace and very vivid, very obvious trace on the face of the city. Uh, but when you combine them, when you, when you start to look at that, uh, start to see that not as a historical nonsense, but as a, not architectural nonsense, but as a historical uh, portrait, mm -hmm. uh, then, then I think um, that can be really precious, precious mm -hmm. understanding of Moscow. I see, I see. And uh, what makes Moscow so unique, in your opinion? Um, pretty much what I said, that um, uh, it is very different, but this difference uh, gives you pretty clear understanding of the... I, I would say that Moscow uh, architectural appearance is crazy, but that just reflects the craziness of Moscow history and of uh, the history of the country in the final end. 
<laughs> okay, I see. Interesting. Well, um, many of our expat clients, uh, when looking for housing, first of all, pay attention to the buildings of the revolutionary era. Perhaps this is due to their bourgeois image and elegance of interiors. Um, do you think it can be comfortable living, for example, in a building of Art Nouveau era in Moscow today? And uh, in uh, which city districts the revolutionary buildings are best preserved? What do you think? So obviously, the standards of uh, pre-revolutionary era uh, housing um, were quite high, uh, but we, 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 we of course should understand that there were different kinds of pre-revolutionary housing, right? Mm -hmm. There were yes. there used to be pretty small flats back at that times as well, yes. uh, and not very comfortable. But uh, but of course, there were several houses, not that much, and not not, not that not, not that many of them in Moscow as let's say in Saint Petersburg, because still Saint Petersburg was the capital back then. Um, but uh, houses like um, the ones which were built by uh, um, Russia insurance agency or some other insurance agencies or mm -hmm. some banks uh, back in early mm, 1900s, 1910s, uh, yeah, they used to have quite big flats, up to four or five rooms uh, with ceilings up to four and even five meters high. Mm -hmm. um, and not only those which I mentioned, not only those houses of uh, uh, which were built by big developers, but also many of the houses um, of the same era can have uh, these kind of quite high standards. I would say that uh, probably the most uh, important district, the most the richest of the districts back then, mm -hmm. was pretty much like today, Patriarchy uh, Prudy, Patriarch Pons neighborhood. Uh, the neighborhood of Prichistinka. Yes. Let's say the uh, the side streets between Prichistinka and Arbat, which were always one of the most aristocratic and then bourgeois areas of the city. Uh, the area of uh, Ch uh, Chisti Prudy, clean ponds, uh, was also quite um, rich back at that times. Uh, and uh, in general, in general, I would say that the northern part of Moscow mm -hmm. was obviously always richer and uh, um, had better uh, quality of housing than the southern part, if we mm -hmm. take pre-revolutionary era. So from Prichistinka to Mesnitskaya, this kind of one quarter of the Moscow circle within the borders of the Garden Ring, uh, that's the most, uh, the highest class uh, neighborhood of Moscow in general. Wow, with the, very interesting. With the, with the accent, again, on patriarch ponds, probably. I see, I see. And uh, speaking about the specific of Moscow urban development, uh, of course, the theme of the Soviet avant-garde is important topic. Today, this style of architecture is uh, once again as popular as ever. And uh, why are we experiencing this second coming of Soviet architecture popularity today? Um, if we take your question, why? I think that's uh, because, first of all, uh, it takes some time to gain the interest, right? So yeah. people never really very much interested in what happens right now. I mean, they are interested, of course, because that's yes. 
mm-hmm. affects their lives, but uh, they cannot really, very often they can't really appreciate them. Uh, and, the, and then the distance of 20, 30, 40 years can seem too little, especially if mm-hmm. the era changes and if you, if you kind of feel um, bad about the previous epoch. Uh-huh. Let's say in nineteen nineties and in two thousand uh-huh. in two thousands uh-huh. it was very diff- difficult to really appreciate what happened in um, late Soviet era in nineteen seventies and eighties because they were too close and people really understood that era as something bad which happened with their lives because of economic uh-huh. crisis and political crisis and avant garde is quite far away uh, from us on the historical. Uh, uh, timeline. It happened almost 100 years ago, so we don't feel any uncomfort about that times. And um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, art historians already wrote books and published articles and made public lectures and documentary movies about that. So um, time also allows us, allows um, scholars, scientists to yes. uh, to understand uh, uh, the the art of that time and to explain us to us. So that two reasons, uh, the the distance which allows us to feel comfortable about that time, and the uh, time which allows uh, scientists to explain us the importance of that times. I think that allowed uh, to start to understand the avant-garde era since 1990s. Uh, And um, so let's say 25 years, a lot of people um, propagand that art, propagand that architecture, and that uh, seeds uh, give their harvest now. And more and more people are, are interested in that. And of course, of course, a very big uh, interest started since 2017, when all the world, not only Russia, but all the world was kind of celebrating the 100th anniversary of uh, Great Socialist October Revolution, let's say of Revolution 1917. Uh, and a lot of exhibitions were uh, all around uh, in London, in Paris, all around Europe, at least, I think something was in the U.S. as well. And that also gained a lot of attraction, a lot of interest to the avant-garde era, to the post-revolutionary era. Um, that's one reason. Uh, we probably should explain what is that, what is that avant-garde architecture, for those who maybe not very much into the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we say avant-garde architecture, we mean the architecture uh, of 1920s and early 1930s, which was very simple in its shape usually combines different geometrical shapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say uh, Melnikov's house in Krivarbatsky side street is probably one of the best examples and one of the most famous yes. examples among, among uh, international tourists. Be- uh, the building which contains of two cylinders intersected with each other. And um, mm, this architecture is also very experimental was very experimental back uh, in the uh, 1920s and seems very experimental even from nowadays when we look at when we look at it from nowadays uh, of course one of the most famous phenomena of avant-garde architecture are so-called commune houses uh, when when people were getting very small flats they were not even called flats but units and at the same time had uh, very vast uh, communal spaces like canteen, library, um, club uh, for different venues and so on and so forth. 
And uh, here I want to remind, uh, I, want, I want to remember the house of, um, the commune house of Textile University, on, uh, yes. quite close to Shabalovka, not far from famous Shukhov's Tower, which was recently renovated. Yeah. Uh, not very, not very few buildings. Uh, speaking about the um, attitude to the avant-garde era, uh, the appreciation of this architecture is still mostly among the scholars and among the people who uh, are interested in the history, but not 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 uh, among the business developers, not among the governmental officials, but still some. Uh, good things are happening and some buildings are renovated. For example, uh, I already mentioned the Commune House of Textile University, which was renovated in 2016 and now serves as a dormitory for the students of one of Moscow universities. And uh, it's actually open for tours. And we, for example, in Moscow, through the engineers, I will make uh, tours into this building. Uh, and they, uh, since we started making them in June this year, they immediately gained very much attraction. We do. We, we started from four or even six. I can't remember exactly. Groups every week inside this house, and we do two or three groups every week now. So still, the interest is quite high. Uh, people come to see uh, how people used to live in avant-garde era, uh, and I think another reason for that interest is this type of housing kind of returning nowadays. Uh, uh, and it's interesting that it's coming from abroad, such things like as uh, um, co-housing, co-living, when people um, uh, live together, uh, having uh, not very much space for their own, but a lot of communal spaces, that's, uh, that, that type of uh, housing starts to appear in Moscow. For example, there is a project which is constructed by the same guys who do flacon, uh, cultural center and Hlebozavod, they both located near Dmitrovskaya metro station, and you definitely know them. They they were also yes. the guys who did Bruce of Sheep uh, in yes. Museon Park. They they have the development project which is called Vlesu, uh, where where the concept is the same: little houses for each family or for each person, but a lot of communal spaces nearby. Um, so that's, I think, another another reason for the interest in avant-garde era, because uh, as an art historian, I see that history kind of goes in a spiral way. And uh, the loop, one loop of this spiral is something like 100 years. So now, 100 years after avant-garde era, we kind of copy the patterns which were created in this time. And that's, I think, another reason for the interest. Very interesting. Um, well, for a short-studied tour of Moscow, what route could we offer for our listeners so that they could enjoy the masterpieces of the Soviet avant-garde? Maybe you can uh, recommend us something? Yeah, surely, surely. Uh, in the terms of uh, avant-garde architecture, the, I would say there is a, a quite nice route in the northern part near Arbat because you can see Melnikov's house. Yes. In, as I already said, Krivarbat, as I already said, in Krivarbat. And then, and then there is a short distance to go to Narkomfin house, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is another um, extremely interesting example of avant-garde architecture. Uh, also, kind of commune house where flats were relatively small, 
36 square meters, but had very interesting two or three level planning, what is called duplex flat or triplex flat in English language, as far as I can see. Yes. And uh, they also had a communal house nearby, communal uh, building, communal block. And um, again, very interesting stories about um, uh, uh, what happens now with the Narconfin house. And maybe that can be interesting for some of the expats, for some of our listeners who are thinking about buying uh, investing their money in uh, um, Moscow um, housing and because Narconfin um, um, uh, House has been renovated right now and uh, I, I just uh, been speaking with the, the uh, director of the development company a couple of years or a couple of days ago and mm-hmm. uh, he told me that uh, the house is going to be finished uh, probably um, hopefully in March, so just in three months. And um, fl- flats are, are, are already on sale. And actually, they not are on sale there. Uh, the house is sold out, but um, some, of the, some of the flats are, are already, uh, I don't know the English word for that, let's say on the secondary market. So you can mm-hmm. buy them from, okay, those yeah, who, yeah. from those who already bought them. And um, the prices are quite high there. As far as I know, from the beginning, if you, when you were buying from the owner, the, the prices was something like a million ruble uh, for a square meter, which wow. is something like uh, 1,200, no, 10, 12,000, sorry, 12,000 euro for a yeah. square meter. Uh, but uh, as you see, as far as I can remember, all the 55 flats were sold out in the first half a year of sales. Wow, <laughs> so, uh, so Yeah, so we see there is a definite definite interest in avant-garde type of housing, in avant-garde type of planning and type of architecture among contemporary investors and contemporary flat buyers. And uh, um, uh, so, um, and unfortunately, because the because the um, uh, construction work is going on, it's impossible to get inside the house on your own. But again, it's possible with Moscow through the engineer's eyes, because we being good friends with the owners of the house, we arranged tours there since June. Again, for the last half, half of year, we do tours there. And again, very big interest. I think we do something like 10 groups every week inside this house. Right. And... Uh, and uh, so, yeah, these two houses you can see uh, in the northern part of Moscow because they are very close to each other. And definitely the two most famous avant-garde buildings of Moscow. We, we do quite a few English-speaking tours uh, in our company. And every time um, uh, an English client is calling us, it's always the same. Can we see the house of Melnikov? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or or can we see the Narconfin house? Because they're really in all the school books about the architecture and all the books about the architecture, even in English language and all the foreign languages. But then another very interesting route and very interesting neighborhood, by the way, to choose if you want to live in Moscow. Personally, my favorite neighborhood in Moscow, I should say, um, uh, is Shabalovka. Uh, I myself used to rent on Shabalovka for the last five years of my life. Yes. Uh, now I had to move to uh, Presnya, uh, to, to Tishinka, which is also a very nice neighborhood. But I kind of miss Shabalovka because Shabalovka is because I used to live in just one block from my favorite Shuhov's Tower, 
yeah. uh, which I did many researches on and published a book about it. And um, then there are a lot of avant-garde. I myself used to live in the avant-garde building, which was built in 1931. And that's very interesting neighborhood of, uh, which is called Havska Shabalovsky Living Complex, okay. uh, where houses are like, um, what is the English? So they kind of turned 45 degrees um, from all the streets, which, for, which forms quite an interesting grid. Uh, planning of the neighborhood and then uh, there are a lot of other interesting buildings two commune houses one commune house was just next to my house I, I was seeing it every morning from my windows and then this commune house of textile university is also nearby so Shablovka is kind of i call it the uh, uh you know the um, what is the english word for the pavenik I say, natural, uh, natural. If you can call it like this, uh, natural park, natural resort, something like this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, but natural resort is not a good word for, word for architecture, right? So architecture. Yeah. Let's say architectural complex of avant-garde era. Really, the architectural park, theme park. Yeah, yeah theme park is a good word. Theme park for avant-garde architecture is definitely Shabalovka because the whole neighborhood was built pretty much in 1930s, 1920s, and 30s. And I would say that's very good type of housing. Still, the ceilings in avant-garde era, unlike 1960s and 70s, the housing standards were quite high. The ceilings should be not less than three meters high. The mm -hmm. flats should should have um, should face both sides of the house in order to have good uh, uh, sun every time of the day and. Uh, Good air conditioning, natural air conditioning. Uh, so all the flats always face both southern and northern sides of the house. And also, of course, thick brick walls. So that's really very good place to live. Uh, if I think when I when I'm thinking about buying a flat, I'm definitely going to move on Shabalovka. That's the place which I want to live my whole life here in Moscow. And also very nice to have a walk around, of course, as I've, as I've said. Wow, thank you, thank you. That's really interesting. Okay, um, from the 20th and uh, 30s of the 20th century, let's jump to the era of Stalin architecture. Of course, um, you have heard about the Seven Sisters, Dearlessness, as the famous Stalin era skyscrapers are often called from a modern point of view. Is Stalin era architecture a masterpiece or an odd example of architectural eclectism. What do you think, Erat? Um, of course, there are uh, there, there is no kind of architecture which is uh, a total masterpiece. Yeah, in every in every area, in every style, there are certain masterpieces and certain uh, average works. As uh, about Stalin architecture, I would say two things. Of course, there are certain masterpieces. Uh, in that style, in that epoch. For example, one of my favorite places in Moscow, again, that's Vedenha, um, the All-Russian exhibition of, uh, All-Union exhibition of uh, people's economy. And uh, um, because, again, that's kind of a theme park of Stalin architecture. Yeah? Totally, yeah. almost totally preserved from 1954 Built from 1947 to 54, with all this uh, monumental Stalin Stalinist uh, type of planning, which looks like an like a, a royal palace complex from 
18th century with all these straight prospects and fountains uh, and with magnificent monumental buildings. It's really, a, one, in my point of view, one of the major places to visit in Moscow, uh, even for tourists, not to mention those who live here for several months or several years. Uh, not only to visit, but to really carefully investigate Mm-hmm. And again, we do tours in Moscow through the engineer's eye. And, um, uh, and, the, and then Seven Skyscrapers, again, Seven Sisters, yes, Stalinist Skyscrapers. I wouldn't say that each of them is a masterpiece. They are okay. They, they have certain similarity to New York Skyscrapers. They have some interesting uh, allusions to Russian medieval architecture or to Russian classical architecture. But uh, they, taken all together... They uh, are really something because uh, they are carefully located in the places uh, that can uh, um, put an accent on their beauty. Uh, they they are put in, in the middle of the of, of the big squares like the Red Gate Square or Smolensk Square, or on the banks of the Moscow of Moscow River like Katyanichsky Embankment Apartment House or Ukraine Hotel. So they are reflected in the water, which duplicates their beauty. Mm-hmm. So um, and of course, when you uh, just yesterday, I was doing a tour uh, around Moscow skyscrapers. We were studying skyscrapers for our business partners uh, and we finished the tour on a beautiful one of my favorite observation points of uh, moscow which is located on the top on the 33rd floor of uh, ukraine hotel yes. and and when when you when you are there you can see all the all the seven yeah because you see uh, the rest of the, the six other and you yes. see the ukraine hotel itself and that's really create very specific feeling when you see them all together yeah uh, you, when you see this, uh, them as an ensemble as a complex as a, a game of mind of one person who carefully located them all around the city yes yeah, so that's really something uh, but then when you think about um, another examples of stalinist architecture each of them maybe is not a masterpiece but again taken as a complex Tverskaya street which was increased twice uh, in its width or even thrice at some points because before 1930s it was quite narrow and then uh, according to so-called Stalinist general plan of moscow 1935 it uh, has become this uh, monumental prospect. Uh, or if you take um, Garden Ring, uh, yeah, Garden Ring, right? Yes, Garden uh, Ring. Uh-huh. And um, that's uh, when you take a walk, let's say, along Tverskaya, and then you make a turn uh, to Triumphal Square with the Beijing Hotel and Tchaikovsky Music Hall, uh, and then you went walk along the garden ring further further ahead uh, you really st- one thing i understood about moscow uh, whether you like it or not moscow yeah in the beginning of our podcast we were discussing that moscow is eclectic but still the majority of city center yeah the main feeling which you get when you are in the city center when you are within the borders of garden ring um that uh, moscow is still very stalinist that mm. stalinist era puts the biggest traits 
I see. Uh, I on see. the face, on the safe face of the central part of yeah. Moscow. And uh, uh, what more to see in Moscow from the architecture of this period? Maybe you can recommend to our listeners. Mm, I don't think that. Um, I think I, I mentioned all the three most important things uh, within her. Um, seeing all the Stalinist skyscrapers and, and getting atop them, and uh, this uh, um, taking a walk along. You know, these Stalinist prospects, they are not sometimes not very comfortable for walk. They mostly were mostly designed for cars, of course. But uh, again, as I mentioned, Tverskaya uh, with Triumphal Square and some parts of Garden Ring um, can be quite nice. I see. And, and of course, yeah, and of course, of course, one more, one more thing. Sorry, of course, uh, another uh, part of this um, uh, general plan of 1930s was the um, green uh, belt of Moscow, which goes to the very city center. So, of course, yeah. it's a very nice walk, both both from the natural side and from the architectural side, which you can start uh, in Museum Park, and then. Uh, passing by Krimsky Bridge, and it's it's also very important because Moscow River uh, got its uh, stone embankments in Stalin's era, and all the magnificent bridges, uh, the Moskvaretsky Bridge, Moscow River Bridge, and then the uh, big stone bridge, uh, uh, Crimean Bridge, all all of them appeared again in that time in 1938. It was all part of the big plan, so it's also, it's also very important to take a walk along Moscow River, uh, down Gorky Park, as in the famous song by Scorpions, and uh, then uh, Niskushny Sad, Varabyovy Hills. Also, okay. one of my favorite routes. Okay, thank you. We will take into account your recommendation for sure. Uh, let's speak about your project, Moscow through the engineer's eyes. Um, how did this idea come across your mind? Uh, actually, um, since I came to Moscow in 2011, because I'm originally not Moscovite, I'm from Kazan, I started my first business with my partner, which is called Moscow Free Tour. That's where we do... Um, Da uh, daily basis, group tours, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a walking tour around the city center, and then Kremlin tour and metro tour and communist era tour and so on. Um, so we were developing this project for a couple of years, and mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but after the first year, I started to understand that I want to work uh, with locals as well, not only mm -hmm. with tourists, because mm -hmm. it was always very important for me to develop local communities. Mm -hmm. um, to do something for the city dwellers, for the city where I live. And uh, also I, I understood that I wanted to develop uh, as, a, um, as a historian, as a scientist. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, thinking about the subject, which I was interested in, I started to understand that uh, uh, because I, had a, I have a degree in uh, structural engineering, I thought that it it may be interesting for me to uh, make a research in the history of uh, structural engineering, in the history of construction, history of development of Moscow. And obviously, a very close subject is the history of architecture. I so um, I started uh, my researches and I started to lectures. And actually, I thought that that would be just my hobby. I didn't think that it would be a business because I already had a business, uh, this touristic business I mentioned. 
But uh, occasionally, surprisingly for myself, uh, that also, you know, the number of clients was growing and growing, growing. And I understood that I cannot uh, be the only man in the company. So I, st I started to find another guides and le lecturers and I started to gather an uh, administrative company. And finally, in a year or so after the start in 2014, it also became a small but a business. Now we have something like 3,000 visitors a month in our this architecture architectural project, Moscow through the engineer's eye. Wow, great. Um, preparing the questions for this interview, um, I visited your site and uh, found an unusual city tour. Of course, I'm talking about a VR tour, Moscow past and future. Mm -hmm. uh, please um, tell us more about it. Yeah. Um, since the very beginning of uh, our project, we started to think about um, um, creating some new formats, new kinds of uh, excursions, because we, uh, one of our goals is obviously to attract more and more people to come to excursions. But at the same time, we understand that excursion or a tour is um, still not the most popular type of spending your free time in the city right yes and uh, and and when we thought how can we attract more people we understand that we should uh, attract not only those who are already into city tours we should attract people from other spheres for example those who are interested in theater or in art or in wine or in cycling or other sporting activities cinema or Mm -hmm. cinema or in technologies mm -hmm. uh, so um, we were we were thinking for many years we were thinking about uh, some technological tours yeah tours where we involve te new technologies to bring people a better understanding of historical uh, information mm -hmm. and finally we found a partner a couple of years ago uh, a company uh, which specializes in uh, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality products and mm -hmm. uh, equipment. Uh, it's called Arvizio. And um, um, we started to work on our first tour, which we published almost two years ago. Ex no, exactly two years ago. Uh, it's called um, The Moscow That Never Was. Uh, that's the tour where we were showing the uh, famous and absolutely crazy projects of avant-garde and Stalinist era, which fortunately or unfortunately never came to life. Like, for example, the famous Palace of Soviets, which started to be built uh, on the site of the destroyed Christ the Savior Cathedral in 1930s mm -hmm. and should become the highest building in the world, being uh, a bit more than 400 meters high. And that's a famous story. And there was a 100 meter high statue of Lenin on the top in the project. Of course, that building never was never realized because the Second World War started while it was constructed. And then Khrushchev closed the project after Stalin's yeah. death. Uh, but we wanted to bring people understanding how Moscow would look like. First of all, how these buildings look like in the project, of course. Uh, oh. and, then, and then how Moscow would look like if these project, projects came to life. So Palace of Soviets or the Palace of Labor, which uh, should be located on the place of contemporary Four Seasons Hotel 
uh, or uh, the buildings which were designed on the place of, of Goom on Red Square and so on and so forth. And um, uh, we tested these tours and again they gathered a very big interest between Moscovites and <coughs> among foreign tourists as well. And uh, then we uh, made, uh, one year ago, we published our second tour, which you mentioned, Moscow Past and Future, uh, where uh, we wanted to show the buildings which uh, once were in Moscow, but unfortunately disappeared, mostly in Stalin's times, because uh, uh, on the one hand, Stalin's times brought a lot of magnificent buildings to the city, which we discussed previously, but on the other hand, uh, a lot of historical buildings were destroyed, unfortunately. For example, um, Kitai Gorod Wall, one of my personal um, losses, let's say, because uh, uh, I really like, you know, fortresses and fortification walls. And it's a pity that very recently, in 1930s, we lost one of the walls which surrounded the city and which really made Moscow look like some of the medieval cities of Europe, like Siena or Tallinn, mm -hmm. um, Kitaigorod Wall, I mean Kitaigorod Wall. And so we uh, reconstructed Kitaigorod, our partners, I mean, made a reconstruction with our help um, of this wall and now in virtual reality you can see how it looked like and how Moscow would look like if the wall was never destroyed and so on and so forth uh, Sukhrevskaya Tower on Sukhrevskaya Square coming from the end of the 17th century built by Peter the Great uh, Red Gates which were located on Red Gate Square once and all, and all these things by the way were destroyed since the late 1920s Till late 1930s, and we bringing them back to life. Wow. So I think this story is also very important, especially for Moscovites, to understand that it is very important to appreciate your historical heritage and um, to preserve it for future generations, not to destroy. At least preserve what we have till now, not to destroy. Understand the mistakes of the previous eras and not to destroy further. I see. This must be incredible. Um, and do, by the way, do you organize tours for English-speaking guests and uh, residents of the city? Uh, yes, we do, but uh, um, unfortunately not on the regular basis yet. We do some tours on the regular basis, like weekly. We, we, we have weekly tours uh, in the summertime when, we, when there are much more tourists in Moscow and we can uh, get them on our tours as well. So in the summertime, we used to have a weekly tour uh, in virtual reality and a weekly tour to the house of Narkonfin. But uh, in the wintertime and both in the summertime as well, we obviously uh, do tours on demand, private I tours see. or I corporate see. tours uh, in every language. We can do them in English, we can do them in French, German, whatever else. So, yeah, uh, your uh, listeners, dear listeners, you can always uh, call us or write us. The email is on the website and we will be happy to do the tour, especially for your group or for your company. Great to know. And um, uh, what advice could you give to those who visit this city just for the very first time? Uh, you mean the tourists? Well, um, it well, 
expatriates, for example, coming for the first time to Moscow, well, never time. been before, or tourists. So, but I would say more for for an expatriate who comes here and uh, considering um, staying in Moscow for several years. So, what would be your recommendation, mm -hmm. maybe, which places to visit uh, here in Moscow? Of course, anyway, you should start with, from the city center and see uh, and probably see uh, the central part more carefully than the tourists do. Uh, I mean, obviously, go inside the Kremlin, mm -hmm. see the cathedrals and the armory chamber, because, uh, yeah, Kremlin is, you know, being this must-see thing. Uh, can 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 look kitschy to some people, but mm -hmm. uh, when on the other hand, it of course has centuries of Russian history. And even I, as uh, a city dweller, I I do go to to Kremlin sometime, let's say once a year at least, to feel that uh, spirit of history. Or not only Red Square itself, but also the side streets of Kitai Gorod. Side streets be between Nikolska, Elyinka, and Marvarka, they are very underestimated, I should say. Uh, because, you know, um, these side streets are mostly um, uh, in inhabited by officers, uh, by governmental officers, the administration of president, the ministry of finance. So people don't really consider them as a place to go uh, when they have free time. They mostly go to Tverskaya, let's say, or to boulevards. But uh, these side streets, if you have a careful eye, uh, they can be very, very interesting. Again, we do tours there, and that's one of my personal missions, to change the attitude to this place. And uh, so that's the city center. Uh, careful exploration of city center is my first advice. Uh, second thing, definitely Vedenha. I, I have already mm -hmm. told that Vedenha, in my point of view, is the second thing you have to do in Moscow. I know, maybe, okay, the third because Moscow, uh, Moscow subway, Moscow metro, which probably would be the second, being really a unique uh, phenomenon, uh, metro, as, which is not only an um, infrastructural object, but also an architectural ensemble, especially the Circle Line and the central stations, which were built in late 1930s uh, in Stalin's era. And uh, the, so this, the third thing would be the Denha. The fourth thing would be, as I already mentioned, this beautiful walk um, along the Moscow River and all the Moscow parks, this uh, green belt. Um, the fourth advice, uh, the fifth advice will be, the fifth place will be um, the uh, so-called uh, Ivanovska Gorka, St. John Hill. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the area between... Um, let's say, um, Misnitske Street on the north, Salyanka Street on the south, uh, Kitaigorod Metro Station uh, on the west, and uh, Garden Ring, as far as, as far as Garden Ring on the east, because all these neighborhoods in between, uh, they are, um, because of the hilly, uh, landscape of this neighborhood, they were not very much touched by the post-revolutionary uh, and even post-Soviet construction. And there you can still feel the spirit of this um, pre-revolutionary Moscow. 
Moscow at the see. end of the 19th, early 20th century. I see. Well, actually, my, my next question uh, was uh, maybe you can recommend some interesting route for our listeners, but uh, I can see you you have already given us quite lots of really interesting routes. Maybe you would like to add something um, um, to that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, Moscow uh, in the recent years is becoming um, also a very good place for gastronomy, for food. And I, I definitely believe, I definitely believe that Moscow is uh, in the top three of the gastronomical capitals of, of the world. But I personally, not very, you know, a big specialist in gastronomy, but I like pubs and bars. Mm-hmm. And I would say that there are more and more good bars in Moscow appearing in the in the in the last years. So there is a very nice route ar- around Moscow bars, which I do once in two weeks approximately, and it goes along Pakrovsky and Chistaprudny boulevards, and then this uh, already mentioned my favorite uh, side treats uh, of Chistia Prudy, of Sretenka. Um, I'm not sure that I should mention the exact names of the pubs because that would be an advertisement as well. But I just <laughs> give an, but I just give an advice to explore the neighborhoods of Pakrovsky, Chistaprudny and Sretensky boulevards. And uh, I think it will be nice to find good bars there as a surprise. That's great, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will uh, discover these interesting places. Well, uh, now it's time for our favorite rapid fire round. Uh, we ask you a short question. You mm-hmm. give a quick answer. Uh, ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. The most unusual building in Moscow. Uh, I, I think that's the so-called... Uh, Egg House, uh, which is located uh, on Mashkova Street, uh, close Chiste to Chistaprudny Boulevard. Yeah, nice. And which actually has a shape of egg. <laughs> okay. The best panoramic view of the city? Uh, I wouldn't be original. I already mentioned that that's the observation deck of Ukraine Hotel or um, the, from the Moscow State University. Uh, favorite Stalin era skyscraper and why? Um, I would say uh, the building on Katerinchiske embankment because of its uh, beautiful location on the banks of two rivers, um, the place where they connect. I don't know the proper English word, uh, Yauza and Moscow River, and also because there is uh, one of the beautiful Stalinist era bridge near it, which is a brilliant place to observe Moscow. Again, one of my favorite observation points. Not not very high, high but uh, very beautiful view to the skyscraper from there. Okay, the most mysterious place in the city. You know, I'm not really fan of these uh, mysteries and legends because I consider myself to be a historian. Uh, but uh, okay, I would say um, again, Saint John Hill, because uh, there are a lot of you know cozy side streets and backyards, and they bring you kind of mysterious feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, continue the phrase. I love Moscow because uh, because of its pace, 
of its crazy pace of life, which is very um, adequate to mine. Thank you. And uh, that's the end of the episode, I'm afraid. It was incredibly interesting and informative, Erat. Many thanks for showing us Moscow from a completely new uh, perspective. Learn more about the English language pro project Archigeek by clicking on the link in the description. Subscribe to our podcasts and don't forget to check our Facebook page. page. Links in the description. All right. Thank you so much. That was really Thank amazing was and interesting. And have a nice day and we hope we meet you soon again. Bye. Bye.